Okay, well, um, it, uh, it really is good to be with you guys tonight, um, and I can't tell you how excited we are about being able to partner with you um, and serve as mentors. Uh, I, I, I believe the future is really bright about what uh, we can and will build here. Um, and Rundlin's, in my heart, has been, you know, even though we've been in married ministries, it's been, I think we've had a special place for singles um, in our lives. We've had singles um, repeatedly come uh, spend the weekend with us, fly in from, from other churches, other cities. Uh, we try to host things periodically. Uh, and I just hope that we can do just more of that kind of stuff. Um, Tonight, though, as we kind of contemplate this change, uh, I want to talk about something that I think could be the difference maker for all of us. Um, And if you're like me, you probably struggle with change. I like to kind of know what's next, what's predictable. Um, I, I, I like kind of... You know, things to be. I like to be able to know that I can count on things being the same way that they were last week. And so change can be hard for me. That can sometimes mean that I'm more interested in kind of doing something that's rote instead of in keeping with the spirit. So the title of tonight's lesson, and I hope that it's uh, wherever you are on the spectrum of change, whether you like change or you struggle with change, I hope that we all can get something out of it. So, um, really, Rundle and I, we praise God for every opportunity that we have to be a part of God's church. The many conversations, the many years of training, the discipling, the, uh, the, the mentoring, the prayer walks that we've had with disciples, uh, the many people that have invested in us has made all the difference in the world in helping us to stay faithful to repent at times when we were in sin, um, and to keep us going. And to that end tonight, I want to share with you um, this thing about what I believe could be the difference maker in all of our lives as we go through change. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. As you turn there, what I want to do is I want to go back to the blueprint of what I think we're all striving to build as God's people. Uh, 2.36. And we see here, Peter is preaching an amazing sermon. And and as we know, many people repent and become disciples. And And it says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to to Peter and the, uh, the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. 
All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's an awesome church. That's an amazing congregation that we read about. And I believe that's what we're striving to be. I believe that that's what we want to be to the glory of God. I got a question for you. What made this church so incredible? What made them so fruitful? What enabled them to have such a major impact? We can look at many things that they had going on in their favor. They had amazing talent. They had leadership. And the apostles, incredible men who had walked with God. They had faith. They had teamwork. The Holy Spirit was moving amongst them. God blessed them with an open field. But I bet there was something that they had that day that we all need to have to make sure that we can keep going. I think what they had was awesome attitudes. Awesome attitudes. Awesome attitudes. That was the difference maker then. And I believe it's the difference maker today. I believe that there's one thing that is probably even more important than talent or intellect. And that is your attitude. See, awesome attitudes is what makes the difference in a church. It's what makes the difference in a region. It's what makes the difference when you grow. Because I remember, I can remember as a Christian, as a baby Christian, wondering, okay, when somebody else gets baptized, I'm not going to be the one that's being doted over. (laughs) They used to call me and say, can we study the Bible? And now they're just calling me and texting me and asking me, can I be in a Bible study? That's change. But I think if we have an awesome attitude, we can go through these kinds of changes. We can celebrate growth. We can celebrate the things that we need to change. I'm not just talking about having a big smile on your face. I'm talking about something much, much deeper than that. I'm talking about having the attitude of Jesus Christ. You see, having the attitude of our Savior, Savior, that is the difference maker that I think we all need in our lives. You guys can smile. You look like you've been baptized in vinegar. (laughs) I'm not trying to be discouraging, but I just, you can smile. It's okay to say amen every now and then. Do you have the best attitude that you've ever had in your Christian life? Can you say that? Is your attitude today as good as it's ever been? Can you say that? Let me say a little bit about bad attitudes. 
Bad attitudes will make a mediocre church. Bad attitudes will make a lukewarm church. The kind of church where we come and we be nice, but if you cut us off, you, can, you, you can't hear us, but you know what we said wasn't from the Spirit. Okay. That, that's what a bad attitude can create. Bad attitudes are typically part of a laid-back church. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of a mediocre church. I want to be a part of a church. I don't want to be a part of a church that's laid back. I don't want to be a part of a church that's lukewarm. When I see the Lord, as I believe, as you believe, I think, I want to hear Him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. I want to see multitudes reconciled to Christ and baptized into Christ. But I know in order to get there, I got to have an awesome attitude, especially in times of change. I want to talk about the best attitude of all times. If you would, turn in your Bibles with me to, to, to Philippians 2. Come on, Bruce. Sometimes when I'm feeling, uh, when I'm, th- these last 18 months have been quite a challenge um, with losses, uh, um, health, um, it, it seems every few months somebody that we know has passed somebody that we love dearly has left us. And so I've, I've had to remind myself that I'm not a victim. I, 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 and I, I think part of what it means to lose somebody, that's change. Uh, getting used to, I mean, yes, September 10th was my dad's birthday. Um, and not being able to call him or have dinner with him. Um, getting used to that. And so I have to have the attitude of Christ. Let's look here in Philippians 2, chapter 1. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit And of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I stand in awe of the attitude of Christ. The attitude of Christ doesn't come natural to me. 
Maybe it does for you, but it doesn't come natural to me. In fact, my sinful nature is to be the opposite of the attitude of Christ. I have to be in the scriptures, in prayer, and reflective of why I do what I do to have the attitude of Christ. See, left to my own devices, I'm cynical. I'm critical. I'm proud. Not the good proud, but the prideful. That kind of proud. I'm impatient. And before I, I came to Christ, I was unwilling to learn what I needed to learn because I was caught up in the world. And now as a Christian, even though I've repented and been baptized, I still have to fight to have the attitude of Christ. I look at Jesus on the cross, abused and ridiculed. And all he did was think of others. He ministered to the thief on the cross. He told John in the midst of his pain, you need to take care of my mother. Even in his pain, he took care of Mary. He held nothing against his enemies. He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And then after he was resurrected, and this is where I really would have struggled, he met with his disciples, and all he did was ask Peter, do you still love me? I would have had a few more questions for Peter. I would have, I would I would have, I would have, I mean, I would have said, brother, where were you? Why did you desert me? I'm getting ready to send to heaven and I don't even know if I want you to come. In my natural self, this is what I would have been thinking. Because in my greatest hour of need, you were a coward. And I'm struggling with my attitude today, but that wasn't what Jesus did. His attitude was amazing. Not only did he welcome him into, into heaven, he gave him the keys. I, I would have been like, you know, those, let's talk about those keys. You're not getting those keys. <laughs> yeah, we could talk about the keys, you know. But he, he, he didn't. He, I look at Christ's attitude and it's like, wow. The very people, his dearest friends that he came to save, who betrayed him, he extended so much love and grace. That attitude doesn't come natural for me. But let me let you in on a secret. If you're part of the kingdom of God, you're going to get hurt. And you have to have the attitude of Christ. I think about my 20 years uh, as a disciple. And there have been periods where I've had to forgive brothers of stuff that I, I, I just, it was incredible stuff. But I was trying and pursuing the attitude of Christ. And so, as we think about change, as we think about creating something new and different and special and seeking and saving the loss, 
I pray that our prayer is to embrace that change and to have the attitude of Christ. I want to talk a little bit about good attitudes as I, as I, as I finish up. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Attitudes are contagious. And they start out sometimes with... Um, I grew up in the projects. We called it he said, she said stuff. Um, did you, do you know? You know, I'm trying to think about how people are trying to get an edge on me. That's how I kind of grew up. I'm, I'm, my sinful nature is wired that way. What do they want? Why, why, why now? Why this? But I don't think that's the attitude of Christ. That part of me doesn't come from Christ. That part of me is my sinful nature. Um, if you look here in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says, All of the believers were one in heart and mind. They got along. In verse 34, it says, no, There were no needy persons among them. And then it talks about how Joseph, whom the, whom the apostles called Barnabas, sold a field and gave away what he had to, to ensure that nobody had any needs that were unmet. I believe these good attitudes were contagious. And my prayer is that the attitudes in our ministry would be attitudes that leaven the fellowship that make it better, that we would be known as uncles and aunties to the children here. There's nothing more special than having someone that's two years old turn to a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, and then their parents say, we're trying to get them into school. Can you write a letter of recommendation? And then you see that baby grow up, and then she's off to college. This is not make-believe. This has really happened. This is, this is part of our, our lives. This is a true story. And see, I think that if we are to be that to the fellowship, that we have to have the attitude of Christ. I think about some of your leaders. Um, we haven't sat down with everyone, but I think about Matt. I think about Nosa, I think about Keisha. I, I think about the people that disciple me in Rundland, Pierre and Shara. And if I left you out, don't take it personally. But as I think about these people, they are some of the most incredible people because they have great attitudes. I think about just my times with Pierre and Shara over the last... We've been together now for five years. We kind of moved in. They moved from New Jersey. We moved from Los Angeles. And the friendship and the patience, um, they have displayed the attitude of Christ towards us, and we are so grateful for that. And so where I have an attitude of criticalness and complaining and immaturity and pettiness, they have helped me through that. And I'm so grateful.
I am so grateful. A lot of times, see, I think we struggle with admitting that we're weak. Um, I think we struggle with admitting that we need help and that we need input. This is God's church. It's not my corner or your corner of the universe to hold on to. And as we think about change and transitions, my, my ask is that we think about what attitude do I need to have to make the church better, to make her great, to make her shine? Who can disciple me? Who can train me? Who can teach me? And I think to that point, we can learn from anybody. I really believe that. Um, I, Ken Horton, where's Ken Horton? I don't see him, but I think Ken Horton has helped more brothers and sisters than we'll ever know. Just by sitting down with them with practical, this is how you spend, this is how you save, this is how you, I mean, it's amazing. Right here out of the singles ministry. I think that's the attitude that God calls us to have. And so, here's my challenge for you. I'm going to give you some scriptures, and um, I know right now we have a quiet time series, but if you think about attitudes in the Bible, and people who didn't have good attitudes, there's some stuff that I want you to just go back and look at. The first one is Korah's Rebellion uh, in Numbers chapter 16. I'm not going to read it, but 15,000 people died because this guy Korah had a bad attitude. The second one is the ten spies of Israel. There were 12 that went, but only, but only two got to see the promised land. Ten of them died, Numbers 13, because of bad attitudes. And so as you think about your own attitude and where you stand relative to having the attitude of Christ I want to encourage you I want to encourage you to have a good attitude towards things like the the church's leadership and if I'm to be honest I think that sometimes This is one where Satan can really trip us up. As a person who is a lay servant. But I I look at the people who do the most complaining about um, where we're headed, where we're going. And if you look at their families, it's usually a reflection of a lot of chaos. And so I can't expect my household to be in order if I'm not submitting to leadership that God has put above me. So I ask you to think about that. So, I've got a couple things I want you to consider. I wish, uh, well, we don't have for you kind of laid out a big schematic of how everything is going to go, but I have something that I want you to consider. And um, this is, uh, for me, this was... I've done this before. It was quite special. And um, you, you probably can't see this, but it says at the top, Faithful Mighty Warriors. Faithful Mighty Warriors. And so I actually want to pass it around. 
So what this is is, I uh, I went through a period where um, I left the marriage ministry, went through a divorce, and um, after having been married ten years, and then went into the singles ministry. And uh, it was, I think, even though the last eighteen months have been challenging, it was probably the hardest time in my spiritual life. And. Um, I think God allowed me to go through that. Second Corinthians 1 tells us that God allows us to go through hard times so that we can comfort other people when they go through hard times. I know what heartbreak feels like. And I believe, I know how to understand and, and, and I, but because before, I didn't, know what it, I didn't know the meaning of weeping until I went through that period in my life. And so... Uh, in the midst of all of this hardship and pain, um, the evangelist, he asked me, he said, would you, would you serve in the singles ministry? And I looked at him and I thought, serve in the singles ministry? Do you see how much I'm crying? I mean, I can't get through service without shedding a bunch of tears. And he said, no, I, 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 really, I really want you to think about focusing on the needs of others. And so this group, this was a group... Um, uh, in LA that I got to, to, to serve in and so we started and, and we didn't have much of a blueprint we had different backgrounds uh, there were ten of, about 10 of us in that group and um, what we did was we came up, the first thing we did was we came up with three words that we wanted to always define us as a group and tonight that's my challenge my challenge is for us to think about what do we want to be defined by as a group. Um, we, we decided on faithful mighty warriors. And every time we did something, when we started a Bible talk, what we would do is we would, we would go around and we would share that week how we were faithful or how we were mighty or how we were warriors or how we weren't. It was an opportunity to share how, you know, I, I had an opportunity to be faithful. I wasn't. So it was this really neat way of us kind of being connected and relating to one another and being open and confessing as well as sharing good news. And it became something really, really powerful. And I'm so excited. I was looking at that picture today. Um, everybody's faithful, save two. But they, they'll, they'll be back. They'll be back. Um, but I, look, as we make this transition... I want you guys to know that, uh, and I speak for all three couples, that we are opening wide our hearts to you, and we pray that you would open wide your hearts to us. I, our desire is to see as many people as possible come to Christ, to see the people that are in Christ be the strongest they could be in every area of their lives, and we want you to help us do the same in our lives as well. Thank you so much. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen.